what thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plague, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Shouts of Grace Center brings you pure and undiluted word of God from the impeccable throne of grace. Be blessed as you listen. Serving your way to greatness. Come on, say with me, I can serve my way to greatness. Beautiful. You can serve your way to greatness. And that is what we are doing this morning. How do we do that? I'm very much persuaded that when it comes to our relationship with God, that relationship with God will not be complete until we are actively serving Him. Um, We're not serving God because of that sense of servitude, like boss to employee or slave owner to slave. No. We are serving out of love. Why? Because the way God relates to us is that of a family. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that God is God of families. So he is our father. Jesus Christ is the son of God. The Bible says we are joint heirs with him. So we are brothers. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. So now, if I'm in my family house, for example, I remember growing up, I used to wash the car. That was my assignment from primary school. I remember I had to climb uh, uh, that side uh, entrance for my hands to reach, you know, the top of the car. That was my assignment. At the time... I was the one in charge of sweeping the sitting room. At the time, I know I washed plates. I don't see that servitude. Why? It's family. Do you know that some of the things you did in your family home to your parents, if you were to be living with somebody else and you were asked to do the same thing, do you know sometimes you feel they are just maltreating you? I hope you know that. Just because they are not family. I mean, if you go and live with... Uh, parents of, a fr- of your friend and then they ask you to do some certain work, you just feel slighted. Why? They are not your parents. But in a way, you know that my parents, whatever they ask me to do, I do. Why? Because of family. This is why we serve God. Because of family. We don't serve him because if you don't serve him, we'll go to hell. No. It's just a family thing. Just like when you go into a particular family and you see a certain son or daughter who does nothing in the house. The mom cooks, the mom runs around, the dad washes the car, the boy sits down pressing phone. You know that, uh-oh, something is wrong here. They don't have to tell you before, you know that, ah, almighty budget, man. Well, he's doing nothing in the house. So the church is a family. God is our father. And we are all meant to serve. Where did some of us get this idea that when you join a church, you settle down for one year first, and then you now look for where you can serve? Who told you that? Are you following me? Are you following me here? If 
if you are the first boy, you understand what I'm saying. By the time you are three years old, they say, take care of your junior brother. You're like, hey, me, I still need a lot of care here. But you are the firstborn. So responsibility comes upon you. So the following in God's house, there is a sense of responsibility that the first must have. Are you following me here? A sense of responsibility that is very important. Now, when you serve God, I mentioned this on Wednesday, so I'm not going to explain like I said, but I've just mentioned. I believe they will follow us on slide. When you serve God, I said, it will always settle you maritally. And that was something that was truthful of me. You asked me to have a scripture for it in Genesis 29-27. The Bible says, Fulfill a week, and we will give thee this also, for the service which thou shalt serve with me, yet seven other years. I mean, this is God speaking here, and telling us to, uh, to understand that when it comes to service, there's a link with service to marriage. Ask most people, ask them. They met their spouses while working, while serving. Nobody meets any, any spouse sitting down at home, sleeping, morning till evening. No, you meet your spouse out there while you're working. Serve God with your heart and it will protect your heart. How does that work? Now, when you have a broken relationship, a broken marriage, what is affected is your heart. Are you following me? Your heart. When you, have, when you are in love with somebody, you are planning marriage, uh, you've done engagement, and then the guy says, I'm no longer doing it, or the lady says, I'm no longer doing this. You break down, and it affects your heart, and your heart is broken. Now, when you serve God with all your heart, you know what God does? He goes ahead to ensure that that heart is not broken. By ensuring that things work out to you beautifully. May things work out for you in Jesus' name. I can't hear your amen. amen. Alright. The second thing that service does for you is that God will keep you and protect you. God will keep you and protect you. Can I have my iPad? Please. God will do it. God will do it. It will keep you and protect you. I said, when you serve God, it will keep and protect you. First Chronicles 28, verse 20. And David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it fair and not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. So you see here, God is, uh, David was telling Solomon, his son, that look, nothing can happen to you. You will be protected. You will be shielded. Until you finish all the work of the service. So now when you serve God, you're not going to die prematurely. Why? Your work is not finished yet. The two apostles Paul, the Bible said they stoned him in a particular city. He was stoned. And the Bible said they took him for dead. In other words, the time he was dead. But the Bible says after those men left, Apostle Paul jumped up and went to the next city to preach. Why? His work is not done. So nobody could kill him. 
There was a time the Bible, Apostle Paul was speaking. He said, I was in the deep three days. Did you see that in the scripture? How can somebody be in the deep three days? I see inside the water. How did he survive? I don't know. But the storm wasn't up. But you see, the moment Apostle Paul said, I have finished my course. <laughs> I'm ready to be poured out like a drink. And the next thing that happened was that it was gone. So, if you have this covenant connection with God in the place of service, you don't need to pray prayers of protection. Like, God, keep me. Oh, don't let me die. Oh, some witch, some wizard. Oh, no, just serve God. You are not going to die. Nobody dies who is serving God until his time was up. Or until his time is up. Number three. Service is incomplete until you are presented a body. I mean, I explained this sufficiently on Wednesday. That when you are serving God, your body must be involved. Yes, you serve God with your spirit, but your body must be very much involved. So in Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you therefore by the message of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So the presentation of your body God says it's a reasonable service. Number four. True service is when you do it as unto the Lord. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't be in ministry today or serving God if I didn't do this work as unto the Lord. Because in ministry, there's a lot of offense. There's a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of people offend you. Some member address you anyhow. People the age of your children talk to you anyhow and you have to soak it in. Because I'm not here because I want to please people. I want the people to please me. I'm here because I want to please God. So a lot of those things help you to stay off bitterness, offense. So you hear some things, you just smile. It has to be done as unto the Lord. Not that you, be, you, be, uh, you join choir today and then Three weeks have passed. They've not given him a microphone. He said, I'm people who talent me. It's like, oh, we should not share. Oh, we start with me. Come and check me out on Facebook. See, you're getting offended already. But if it's, it's unto the Lord, there won't be offense. I think back church and back church because they don't These people are, you are not doing it as unto the Lord. If you are expecting thank you from people will you prefer thank you to god blessing you it's god that blesses sometimes the pastor is even oblivious so you are you are you are busy there getting angry that nobody's appreciating for the work you are doing sometimes i don't even see it i don't see everything sometimes the hatred that sees it are you here with me my job is not to compliment people it's to teach the word how many people am I going to compliment? I'm going to use all the anointing of God upon my life to compliment people. Hey, oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. I'll be fucked out. Are you following me? So, pastor will not compliment. No, I'm complimenting you now with the word. You are blessed. Tell anybody you are blessed. Tell anybody you are good. Tell anybody you look beautiful. You look awesome. <laughs> so, I've done, I've done for the next one week. I've complimented you. Praise God. 
So in Ephesians 6 5, it says, Servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear, trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto the Lord. Last thing I mentioned on Wednesday was serving the Lord may not be convenient, but it is rewarding. We don't serve God out of our convenience, we don't serve God out of our own terms. Are you following me? You don't serve God out of your own terms. Like, God, I want to serve you, but let's do it this way. I'll serve you once in a month. <laughs> no, that's not service. Okay, let's go to part two. Let me start this one today. That was what we did on Wednesday. Now, every time, every time, whether you are actively working in a particular union in church or not, every time you are serving. Every time. Every time, anymore, every time you are serving. You say, how can that be? I'm not in choir, I'm not in prayer, I'm not in any unit. How can they say I'm serving? Well, every time you are serving, there's no sitting on the fence. All those times you never joined any unit in church, you are serving. So there's no like, hey, I don't want to serve now, maybe after a while. No, you're already serving. But the question is, who are you serving or what are you serving? You want to answer to that? I said you want to answer to that. You are either serving God, serving the devil. Hopefully, a lot of people are not serving the devil. I mean, nobody has calabash in his bedroom. Nobody has somebody locked up in one room that nobody must enter. And then there's this ritualistic incantations you must take every other week. So, hopefully, nobody is serving the devil. So, you are either serving God, the devil, or guess the last one yourself. Which is also mammon anyway. So you are serving God, devil, or yourself. Yeah. It's just like giving. Everybody's tithing. Say, Pastor, how can you say that? I've never tithed in this church. No, everybody's tithing. Some just don't tithe to God. Because the provision of tithing is I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, I will protect your finances, I will guard you against losses. And even if there is a loss, there will be restoration. So, refuse to pay tithe for the next six months. You go somewhere, you forget your phone, and then somebody takes your phone. You just paid your tithe. You just paid your tithe, but you just didn't pay it to God. Why? He said, when you pay your tithe, I will not allow the devourer to touch your things. Okay, so, following week, you got malaria. You call pastor on the phone, pastor pray, for the name of Jesus, let your son be healed, and then you refuse to be healed. He said, it's not working. No, it's not the prayer that is not working, it's the tithe that you missed. So you go and buy Ampiclos. The Ampiclos did not work. Or you bought the wrong drug. So you go and buy another one. You just paid your tithes. Everybody's paying tithes. You didn't pay your tithes. You go and fix your air. Oh, and then you had so much pain. The air is beautiful, but there's so much pain. So you went back following. They said, please remove this thing. And the other person said, you are, you are. Sorry, you have to pay to remove. So you just pay your tithes. Everybody's paying tithes. What God does is when you're honoring with your tithes, your tenth, God says, I will protect you from unnecessary losses. Are you following me here? I said, are you following me? Honor God with your tithing. You will almost find out that there are no domestic accidents in your home. Some unnecessary accidents, I mean, you are cutting tomato and then you cut your finger. All those things you will be guarded against. If you find yourself breaking plates, breaking cup all the time, it's not the devil. You are not paying tithe. So you ended up using plastic. Because I'm for 
my foreshadowing. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, pay your tithe. So everybody is serving, everybody is giving. But you are the one that can answer who you are giving to. Look at Exodus 23 and 25. Let me show you something there. See what the covenant of service does. Exodus 23 25. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread. Come on, say amen. And thy water. Come on, say amen. I hope the next thing he says, and I will take sickness away. I mean, you, you, can't, you, you, you feel feverish on your body. You can actually go to God and say, Lord, your word says, if I serve you, you will take sickness away. I'm in the ushering department. I'm serving. Take this sickness away. I rebuke this sickness in Jesus' name. The sickness will have to go. Why? You are standing upon the word of God. Is it possible I've been serving God and falling sick? But you don't know how to stand upon the word of God. You don't have to plead your case. You don't have to stand upon the authority of God uh, that will have in him and say, Lord, no, 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 sickness cannot stay. You, you might pay your tithes, be a believer and all of that, and sickness will still come. If you embrace it, it will stay. You have to exercise your right. Just like when somebody knocks on your door and it's an unwanted visitor, what do you do? You close your door, isn't it? It's not compulsory. Everybody enters your home. That's the same way sickness is. Sickness comes to negotiate. And then you've got to say, no. Jesus already paid for this. I don't want no sickness in my body. Are you hearing this me? I've had some of the most fearful symptoms you can ever think of in my body over the years. I don't look at it. I look at it and say, no, 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 no. This one can't stay in my body. This one can't stay in my body. No, no. Why? There's a covenant here. That if you serve me, and God does not lie. Are you following me? You are serving God. Sickness has no business in your life. God himself said, I will take sickness away. So that means sickness will try to come. So when sickness tries to come, you don't say, you run on sick. No. Sickness comes, God says, I will take. So sickness comes and you tell God, no, this is what your word says. Now, Lord, take this thing away. I don't want it. I don't want sickness. Let me tell you something. Before I gave my life to Jesus and rededicated my life and started serving God actively, let me tell you the truth. I was hospitalized once a week. I was down. I mean, every weekend I was down. Drip, injections, and there are those wicked injections. You know those kind of wicked injections where you will eat your body for three days? Eh? Oh my God. I, I, would, I would distribute comb to my brothers and sisters. I say, you take the left, you take the other left, you take my hand, you come to my bar, we have this crap. Terrible stuff. When I dedicated my life and I saw that there's provision of healing here, 1996, from that time till today, I have never, capital letters, I've never been hospitalized. 
not once to say I will not go to hospital and I'm admitted it has never happened I'm like a rolling stone that gathers on most why? covenant and you have to have that covenant pass if you don't know it you'll be cheated out of it you may say it's a sickness that's how we do it in our family I'm a sickness don't even pump that in your system now your parents call you and say be careful don't eat this and this and this if you eat it you fall sick guess what if you believe it if you eat it you're going to fall sick there are some things you say no no dad I'm exempted from that that doesn't say that doesn't mean you should disobey your parents but say no daddy it can't happen but I've had I won't take it like when I was leaving home my dad told me when I was leaving for university my dad told me said, don't go to a swimming pool don't swim we don't swim in our family <laughs> oh my god so you understand that service is covenant. Now, when you see service as a covenant, and then there is one call in one unit, somebody is disturbing you or unsettling you, you're like, no, 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 there's no need. Nobody's going to push me out of the place of my covenant. It's only mature people that leave church because of an offense. Somebody said, somebody said, somebody is not great, somebody is like, oh no. The, the reality is that you are never here before. And this, that's why when people say they want to leave church, I don't beg. Like, I'm begging, I don't, look, don't go. Ah, please go. Go since last week. Everybody that comes to you and says, I want to leave church, does not belong here. Oh, when it's like an attack, and you know that devil is trying to attack this person, oh, I go after that, that kind of a person. Like David will go after the sheep when the lion attacked. So when there is an attack, I know, oh no, this person doesn't know what he's doing. So we pray for the person, go after the person, encourage. But somebody who knows what he's doing, he wants, wants to go to church. He joined the church two months ago from another church, and it was at another church. Where say, it's time for you to go. It's like passing the button. You don't beg people to stay in church. Why? Because you are not coming to church to meet the pastor. You came to church to meet God. Are you with me? Then in verse 26, it says, There shall not in cast the young nor be bound. Let me hear your amen. You people should learn to say amen. The numbers of the days are well fulfilled. Let your amen be louder. Alright. So you see how this thing works. When you are serving God, you won't be barren. You won't be fruitful. What is the summary of all that God requires? Let me show you. Deuteronomy. Let me show you. The summary of everything that God requires from you and I. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Go to the next slide. It says, I love Israel. What does the Lord require? Of thee. Can you say that? What does God require of thee? But to what? No, let's say the first one. To what? To fear the Lord. That's the first thing. To fear the Lord. Let me ask anybody you have fear of God. Number two, to do what? I can warn you to walk in His ways. This is what God is asking from you and I. Number three, to love him. Number four, to 
serve. So some people fear the Lord when they don't work and they don't love when they don't serve. It's not complete. Some people try to walk in his ways but they don't love him. It's not complete. Some people really fear God, walk with God, love God, but they are not serving. It's not complete. And some people are serving, but it's not yet complete because you serve the Lord that God with what? All their heart. And all what? Talk now, you are afraid. All their heart. Okay, I know you are afraid. Some of you that, that you have told one guy, I give you my heart. You see, take your heart back now. Because God says you love him and serve him with all. Oh, did you say part of it? You'll be drawing art. You put arrow inside. You send it to one lover. All those emojis. God says, look, I, I need your heart. Give your heart to God so that I can protect it. Nobody will be able to break it. It's when you don't give your heart to God that people can come and break and say, Hey, I just love you. Ah, I love you. And then you fall in love. Then three years after, I say he's a married man. <laughs> and I'm already in love. They are just using your heart to play kites. Why? You didn't give your heart to God. With all thy heart. Let me give you a practical example of how you can give your heart to a guy without giving it to God. Let me give you a practical example. So you fall in love with this guy. The guy says, I don't do church. He says, oh, okay. But I go to church. So he calls you Sunday morning. Hey, I want us to hang out. But you know I'm going to church now. Okay, so no problem. If you see me with another girl. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm coming. Your heart is not for God. You've given your heart to that guy. Anybody that manipulates your heart is in control of your heart. Did you hear me at all? If you wake up in the morning, you have not prayed in the spirit. And you are calling some loved person. That person has control of your heart. Some of you, the way you love people when you fall in love, if you can love Jesus, cut her. Just cut out. Eh? Yeah, you'll be so blessed. Serve with all your heart and with all your soul. Don't serve with motive. I mean, you come to church and you look at all the units. Well, our babes, bossy. Quiet, your shri. Ah, you the morning call. I like day. Let me try your shri. You're not serving God. You're serving yourself. Why is the church very quiet this morning? I'm not hitting you below the belt. Now let me show you how to serve. Joshua 24. This is how to serve. I've told you, I've told you summary of what, what God required. Now let me tell you how to serve. In Joshua 24, media, please give us this thing. Joshua 24, and I'll read 14 and 15. This is how to serve. It is now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. Notice the next statement. In sincerity and in truth. That's how to serve God. In sincerity and in truth. If I serve God with insincerity and a falsehood, I'm not serving God. I'm wasting my time. Serve God with sincerity. This is how you now know why a lot of people serve and there's no reward for it. Why? Because they're not serving with a sincere heart. Are you following me? Somebody who joins a particular unit will deal with somebody else. They are not serving in sincerity. 
somebody who joins treasury, treasury unit or auction unit to steal money I mean you, you couldn't find any place to steal money but church I seen I want your lady on one day church <laughs> such person doesn't believe in God <laughs> so you serve him can you see that in what serves me in what? Uh-huh. In truth. In sincerity and in truth. Look at verse it says, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and served the Lord. Now the next thing you want to say, ah, okay, if you could God, I don't serve Shongo, I don't serve Ogun, I don't have Oya under my bed. But have you ever thought about what the Bible is referring to when it says put away the gods? It's not talking about go and shango. That's not what it's talking about. I'm going to show you what it's talking about. But first of all, let's see the next verse, verse 15. And it says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. And tell the Lord, choose you this day, this day. Come on, tell the Lord, this day. So I'm going to say, I'm going to just wait three months' time after COVID, December, uh, this day. He says, where are the gods? See the gods again. Which your father served that were on the other side of the flood? Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? But as for me, I what? Where were all men in the house? You need to say that particularly because you are going to become the head of your house. Can you say, as for me and my house? All single guys in the house. Say that, as for me and my house. All single guys, close your eyes and imagine your wife and children driving out from that your beautiful house you just bought. And um, hmm? sometimes you need to dream like that, or you, or you dream about waking up in the morning and then you call your family members to the dining table or to the sitting room to pray. Come on, say, "As for me and my house, we will what? We serve the Lord." Now let's look at what the Bible means when it says God. Romans sixteen eighteen. Romans 16, 18. It says, the Romans 16, 18. Media. Okay. Let me read. It says, For they are such, they serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see? But they are what? They are belly. And the good words and fair speeches deceive the acts of the simple. So, what the Bible is saying here is that a man can serve his belly. Is that what the Bible means when it says serving God? Let's look at one more verse. I'm trying to inter- interpret scripture with scripture for us. Philippians 3.19. Philippians 3.19. Look at it. Whose end is destruction? Whose God is there? Oh, did you see that? Whose God is what? So previous verse we, hear, we read says, they serve their belly. And here it says, whose God is their belly? So when the Bible says in Deuteronomy that you serve God or you serve your belly, you can see what he's saying here. When you say, serve God, don't serve other gods. He's saying, don't serve your belly because your belly can become a God unto you. And that's what the Bible means when it says, you can only serve God or mammon. Because when you serve mammon, you are serving your belly. What you can get out of it. So you don't serve God because of what you can get out of it. Hello. Hello. You don't join the printing or publishing department of the church so that you can get all the contracts of printing. 
No, you are serving your belly. That's what you are doing. You are not serving God. You are serving your belly. You are serving your belly. You don't join a particular unit and say, no, if they don't put me on salary, I'm not working here. No, you are serving your belly. You are serving your belly. So somebody can ask me, so well, are we expected to feed? Church is Sundays and Wednesdays. I mean, twice a week. It doesn't make sense for you to depend on livelihood from church that meets twice a week. Doesn't make sense. Why? Because you have Monday to Friday to go out there with the blessing of the Lord and make money out there. Are you following me? You don't come and say because I'm Ed Usher. If they don't pay me, I'm not, I will not do ushering today. Uh-uh. Hey, serve God. Let me tell serve God. Alright. So let me show you a few things and then I'm going to begin to close. If somebody asks you, why are you still alive? Let me show you what it is. Ephesians 2.10. It says, where is workmanship created in Jesus unto good works? Which God had before ordained that we should work in them. So we are created because we are his workmanship. We are created for work. In the partial translation of Ephesians 2.10, it says we have become his poetry. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born. Look at the next statement. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we will do to fulfill it. Listen to me the way it works. All our destinies, our paths, what we'll do, what we shouldn't do, everything has been planned. Everything has been what? Planned. We We are like characters in a storybook. You know that scripture that says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil and to give you an expected end. And then Jesus Christ said, I have come in the volume of the book. What the Bible is saying there is that your life has been pre-documented ever before you came here. I mean, everything about your life, your provision system, the work you will do, the church you will join, your home, your marriage, your family, where you will live, where you will settle in, how everything is going to work out, everything is being pre-planned. That's why I say God planned in advance our destiny. Now it says, and the good works we would do. So my only saving grace here on this side of the world is to find out what he planned for me and then cooperate with that. If I can stay with what he has planned out, because the Bible says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. So we know that in the planning of God for my life and your life, there's prosperity there. So all I need to do is to align myself and find out exactly what he wants me to do and just cooperate with that. Life is so simple with God. Find out his plan for your life. Stay there. Don't move nowhere. Don't be distracted. Don't try this and try that and try that. All those things are distractions. Jesus Christ said, for this purpose, I was manifested. This purpose, not even two. He said that I might destroy the works of the devil. I know without doubt that my purpose and my destiny has something to do with shouts of grace sender, has something to do with kisses and us club, has something to do with the city of Ibadan, has something to do with the whole world. 
even though we don't have churches all over the world yet, we have members online all over the world that call me from time to time. And I know we still have churches all over the world. Somebody says when? Don't worry. We're just three years old. We're, we're really young. Very young. I know with me. Some of my friends, their churches are over 20 years, 25 years. Was it started? Some of them started as teenagers. But that wasn't God's plan for my life. I've got to follow his plan. I remember leaving school and looking up to God. And what's the next thing I'm going to do? Start a church or something like that. Say, nah, 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 nah. You go serve in this place. You go serve in that place. You go serve there. I have served from 1997 till 2016. When God said, you cannot start your church. Isn't it wonderful? I served to a point I didn't want to start church again. I told God, well, I'm good here. The last pastor that I took, I told the senior pastor, I said, I don't really want to go anywhere. Sincerely. And I was very sincere. I said, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to stay here. 2016, God asked me to move to Lagos. So I moved to Lagos. So I said, so obviously the next thing is to start church. What did I do? So I went to Yabatuki all and started the church. September 1st. By September, go to Lagos, September 1st. September 6th, I started the church in Yaba. What's the name of the church again? What's the name of the church? Shabak Christian Center. That church was there. By December, I had this feeling that Kenneth Hagin described in his books. Kenneth Hagin was pastoring in a place and uh, God spoke to him, you are not supposed to be here. That was the feeling I had. Kenneth Hagin said, washing your feet with your socks on. That was the feeling I had. I just, I just woke up that morning. I knew something is wrong. Something is out of place. I don't think God sent me here. So I went to pray and God said, who asked you to start church? I cast my mind back. I said, no wonder it was so difficult. I was looking for the what name to call the church. I said, okay, Shabbat Christian, Shabbat Christian, Shabbat. It was a struggle. So I closed down the church. I remember seeing my pastor, Reverend Victor, at the and I explained to him, I said, sir, I'm going to close down the church. I don't feel, and he said, ah, no, 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 no. I don't think, oh, no. He tried to encourage me. And he said, don't close it. Go and have church next tomorrow. This was a Saturday. And so out of respect, I said, yes, sir. As I was going home, the owner of the place we're using, that we used, we rent. We normally pay, I think we normally pay after, after the service. But he now said we should be paying before. So this Saturday night, and we've not paid before, I was hoping to pay after the service. He just sent me an SMS. Please, don't come tomorrow. Because I've given this place out to somebody else. I said, Aah! I was so happy. I, call, I called Reverend. I said, sir, <laughs> I wanted to go, really. But he said, I should not come. I'm free. That's how we stopped church. Now, look at what happened. Something very strange. We stopped church that Saturday. So I told my two assistant pastors. I told them, say, go to that place tomorrow. And courteously, respectfully, tell the members that show up that, we are not doing church again. They should find the next available church. And we have our 20-something members. Nobody showed up that Sunday. Not a single human being. So in heaven, it has closed. <laughs> so if I go that day, I will have seen one of the most shameful experiences of my life. Nobody shows up. The only... And, the, and I have all their data, their numbers. <laughs> Nobody called to say, Pastor, Kilo Shele now until two months after that somebody messaged me on Facebook. Ah, what happened, Pastor? I said, you are not asking. 
So that's how I stop. Because in the plans of God, a plan in advance, that wasn't part of the plan. I was outside God's plan. And now that I was outside God's plan, I lost my peace. Every time you lose your peace over a particular decision, don't stubbornly go ahead. Do you know that every time God will warn you about dangers, about things that are not part of his plan for your life, you just lose your peace. You, you wanted to do something, you're excited, and all of a sudden, I see they just pour cold water on your head. That's the absence of the peace of God. What do you do? Abandon it. Don't think about, ah, and after, after, what you do? after uh, and then you say, what will people say? People? People that will at you after you miss it. Let them say what they're going to say. If you succeed, they will say something. If you fail, they will say something. If you don't succeed, you don't fail, they will say something. People will keep on saying something. So you better make up your mind to follow God and what? Succeed. If you're a pastor, you don't have a car, people will talk. Say, ah, ah, fine boy, pastor, without the anointing. Bad Lego. Oh my God. They yeah. Oh, they preach prosperity. You shall prosper, you shall prosper. You shall, I shall not know my boss. So, go ahead, you go to the car. I say, hmm. <laughs> All free and tight. But still, you share testimony. I want to say, God, God bless me with car. Oh, mm-hmm. I know they ask such people, how much do you give? 50 naira. Is that what we used to buy the car? So you buy a car, they complain. You buy a car, they complain. Make up your mind to buy your cars. Say, because they will talk. Let me just live in this small kinky house. They will abuse you. Say, really? With all your grace and anointing? So you ended up being like, say, we have to probe pastor down. That's the way life is. And it's the, it's the same with you. So you don't do things because of people. What people will say? No! What is God saying? That's the important thing. Ask your neighbor, what's God saying? You don't consider people. Oh, yes, you can seek counsel from authority figures, people above you, but you don't change the things you feel God is asking you to do because of what people would say or what people will do or how people will feel. So God plans these things ahead. There's a past that is created for our force. And the good life becomes possible when we follow that plan. In Psalm 81, verse 13, go to the next slide. Let me show you something. Message translation, Psalm 81, 13. Oh, dear people, will you listen to me now? Israel, will you follow my map? So God literally has a map for your life. 2020, there's, a, there's something you should be doing. There's a place you should be going. There's a church you should belong. There's a unit you should be serving. There's a business you should be doing. All of those things are in the map. It's your responsibility. Say, Lord, open my eyes. And stop going up and down to one real okay to find out. Go to prophets to find out stuff about your life. Oh, they will eat from you. They will eat a lot from you. You have a, the, the prophet himself doesn't know what God has called him to do. 
That's why he's collecting money from people. So you now go to him. Now say, okay, you should bring 20,000. Oh, really? He said, because we have to fast. And I want to consult. There are seven albinos. <laughs> there are things in this world. If you are gullible, oh my God. You are not saved to be doing nothing. You are saved to be functional in God's kingdom. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Look at it. Come unto me, all ye that labor and every leading. And I'll give you what? Say it loud. Now let's see how that rest will come. Take my yoke upon you. Ah, you like you said we should come and rest, then we should take yoke. God? And this doesn't look good. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm inside one yoke of abolish, carrying cannabis, uh, and uh, let's kill rap, let's put blood, let's do incision. They won't do incision in the middle of your head. Can you imagine? And they rub something black on it. And they say you must be saying this incantation every morning. I shall bro. Now listen to me. Say, take my yoke. So I, I didn't call you into a rest like sleep. Oh, well, I do nothing. I do things on my own times. I come to church, leave. All time I leave. No, he said, take my joke. Learn of me, for I make a learning hard. He said, and then you will find. Eh? So there's no rest for you if you are not serving. That's what he's saying here. He said, then you will find rest. Because what a lot of us have done is that we have actually come. Come unto me, all you that labor. Yes, you have come, but you have refused to take his yoke. You don't want to do anything that, that, that touches your convenience, you, 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 your, your everything that is inconvenient. You don't want to do, you don't have time for God. No! He says, when you take my yoke, you will find rest. Then he says this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what serving God is easy? It's light as compared to serving the devil or serving your belly. If you think serving the devil is easy, go ask those people that do rituals. Go ask them. Go ask them. I remember what this wonderful woman here was telling me years back. Uh, some years back. And she, she showed me one particular guy. I said, ah, that guy. That the, 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 the news is that he was driving a wonderful, beautiful car. Say, ah, that guy, Boshiwai, he can't father children. Why? That he uses spam for rituals. That's a yoke. That's a yoke. You come to Jesus, he doesn't say, uh, we have to use something, use your hand, use your leg. No. It's easy. Come on, say it's easy. Let me show you the message translation. Go to the next slide. It says, are you tired? Let me ask your neighbor, are you tired? And, you know, you can't know how, when people are really tired spiritually. This is wear good clothes, makeup and everything, dancing church. But deep down, they are tired. Are you tired? Why not? Burned out on religion. To be burned out on religion means you are just going through the motions. Ah, but you are not really there. Religion. He said, come to me. Get here with me and you what? You recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Come on, say there's a real rest. Work with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It becomes, it's a rhythm. When you, when you talk about the word rhythm, you are talking about music, harmony, something that just happened beautifully to your ears. God says there's something called unforced rhythms of grace when you come to me. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. You learn to live freely and lightly. Listen to me. Look at my life. I live freely and lightly. There are things people come to me, you know, for counseling, and I'm like, really? So people are going through this kind of stuff? There's something called unforced readings of grace when you come to God and you cooperate with this plan for your life. Things just happen beautifully. You may not be a multi-billionaire, but you will never be in the place of lack where there will not be a supply. Riches in God is not accumulating money inside account. No. Riches, true prosperity, is your ability to look at another man in the eye in the, in the time of his need and meet that need. That's what prosperity is. For somebody to come to you and say, I'm dead right now. I need to pay my house. Right. I'm dead. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a grown man's weeping. And the only thing you have to do is not prayer. Say, Father, bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him. Oh, my Lord. Now, after you finish praying, say, hold on. How much did he say there? 500,000? You write a check. This is 400K, all right? That's prosperity. You think prosperity is wearing good clothes? With your shoes shining? While your, your brother or your neighbor is living in penury. And you don't care. You say, ah, eh, la, wele, lo. Ah, wele. Eh, she, lo, jako, po. Eh, No, 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 no. True prosperity is helping that guy out. So some people come to ask you for money. Say, girl, come inside. Lo, le, se, lo, ju, o, ni, mu. O, tu, ni, no, smask. I don't, I don't give money to people. I, I don't give people to handicapped people. Is that what the Bible says? Bible says give to the poor. I didn't say give to handicapped people. Poor, poor. So anybody can be poor. Is it yours? If you have, do. And the Bible says when you help the poor, you will never be in their state. Job. The Bible says concerning Job, he said, I help the poor a lot. He said, the blessing of him that is ready to perish comes upon me. What the Bible is saying is this. When you see somebody that is poor, fucked out, uh, uh, with nothing in this world, that person has a glorious destiny upon his life. But he would likely die poor because of ignorance and sometimes arrogance. Some people, poor people are very arrogant. You give them some money, say, hey, me. Me, I teach three days ago, but one should be 200 naira. And by women. That's ignorance plus arrogance. Mix it me lunch. They have mixed together. So now, the person who is poor, who has nothing, and you know that this person is, is going to die very soon, that person has glory upon his destiny. He just doesn't know. He said, the blessing upon him that is ready to perish become yours. That's why Muslims, they understand some things. The way they give to the poor. You say, hey, Dangote, Dangote is a Muslim. Do you know how many pastors Dangote is sponsoring? Off record. Do you know how many crusades he's, he's paying for? 
You have no idea. So it continues to get better. It continues to get more. Are you following me here? Because he that scattered increased. But he that withhold it more than his meat tended to poverty. I want to save, I want to shave, I want to shave. Keep on shaving. Keep on shaving. You are not painter, you are shaving. I want to shave, I want to shave. Ah! May God give you understanding. May you not save. And then the devourer shows up and says, Where is my savings? In form of sickness and disease. And you now even, you now say, Ah, okay, Allah alone will save you. Am I saying you should not save? Please save. After you pay your tithes. After you pay your tithes. In fact, tell people, after you pay tithes, you pay the one that belongs to God, pay yourself. How do you pay yourself? You save. Give to God 10%, save 10%. But you are saving, you are paying tithes. I'm afraid for your savings. I've been in ministry 22 years. I've seen some things. I've seen some things. I've seen that God is faithful. If you are faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. I've seen that God wants to prosper you. But sometimes you are just not ready. Sometimes you just want to learn by experience. You know the things you do when you were young? Now you can't do some of them, but there are some things you are doing now you won't do 10 years later. Growing up as a young man, I used to be very angry. I had anger problem. But I dealt with it before wedding. If I didn't deal with it before wedding... I will have sent my wife out, beat him, beat her up as a pastor. Is it because somebody is a pastor, he cannot get angry? Oh, in fact, pastors have more things to for them to get angry than anybody on this planet because they are dealing with people. You're dealing with different, and you know, God has different kind of children: good children, bad children, absurd, crazy, abnormal. All of them in church. Are you following me? People that will join the unit with the intent of sleeping with another member. I said that's their that's their mission. That's all they want. Crazy. Crazy people. Some things, some things I'll be like, ah, ah. I just say, God, you are trying. And God loves everybody. Even in your sin. Because the Bible says He died for us. Why? We are yet sinners. He doesn't want you to remain in your sin. He wants you to come so that we will give you rest. May you find that rest in Jesus' name. God loves you. That's the truth. The question I want to ask you this morning as I close so is for how long do you want to wrestle? Want to wrestle with God and do wrestling with Him and boxing and you know what? You can't win. Don't let the afflictions of life humble you before you receive sense. Or like they say, before you borrow sense. Go in the path of wisdom rather the path of experience. Whether you like it or not, you learn. You know, he said, come unto me and learn of me. He said, I will give you wisdom so that you don't learn through experience. But when you learn through experience, you lose a lot. Somebody who has invested inside something now that they send you this message and say, Hey, how are you? Uh, you give us 40,000, we give you 80,000, we double your money in two hours. Say, Ah, and then you tell somebody, I say, Don't do it. Say, Kidney, 
What you me number? What you me look like? have testimony away you. So you send your money. Two hours, four hours, eight hours. After a while, number switched up. Number reachable. Then it dawns on you. So the next time somebody says something, you say, "Take a bath, shake your bone again." Why? You have just learned, but you learned through loss, and that's not good. God doesn't want you to do so many things that you've almost lost your life, Papa. Before you now say, "Okay, God, I'm ready." At the age of seventy-three, and I want to do your way. There's no strength again. When God says you should not serve him, oh, you still serve him, but you, imagine serving God with a uh, walking stick. Evangelism. <laughs> no, no, no. The glory of all men is in the heart. Strength. See, your strength. That's where your glory is. So use it for God. He said, the, the glory of old men is in their gray hair. Say, so, Lord, you don't have gray hair yet. So you are still young and you have a lot of strength. So the problem often is that young men don't have wisdom and they have strength so their strength is misused misplaced old men have a lot of wisdom but there's no strength but the book of job says he said i came and i saw each should speak he said but there's a spirit the inspiration of the almighty give it him understanding in other words right now when you have strength you can embrace the wisdom of god and use strength and wisdom together even at this time that's the beauty of god he he embraces you and gives you wisdom beyond your age beyond your age he gives you ideas to prosper now hear me and hear me well when you say well i I know myself i'm really brilliant i'm creative i can do a lot of things the next question i want to ask you is how much do you have how much are you worth Uh, actually you still need to learn a lot you still need to learn you need to humble yourself you need to humble yourself when you have a couple of millions don't grow wings i say yes we have arrived so where you have not started when god said i'm going to give you nations you will, you will lend to nations. You know what it means? For China to come and borrow from you? Think, think very well. Think very well. If you are not there yet, then you don't have anything. You have five cars, you have three houses. So what? What's that? What's that? When somebody donated 20 houses to a particular city, they brought them to the place and they brought all these things out, buildings and all of that. And others were giving checks of 100 billion, 50 billion. And he got to the table and said, All right, I'll give this, 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 this. That's seven buildings, massive. That's where you should get to, my friend. Not like because you gave 5,000 to GMC, you're not allowed to rest. He said, We were the sponsor of this church. What? what? Hey! Shut up your mouth. Let God lift you up. Are you listening to me? Let God do what? I say, well, we, are, we are the GMC. We are the Grace Millionaires Club. If not for us. But the is a bit law. It's not me we chase. <laughs> God is good. God will prosper you. You will increase. Wisdom is your portion. 
Pray in the Holy Ghost. That gloriousness of your future. You will get there. You will get there. This is the end of the message. We believe you've been blessed. Join us at Shouts of Grace Center on Sundays and Wednesdays at KHC Event Center, Joker Plaza, Ibadan. God bless you.